We're going to be pursuing the right relationship with all men, believer and non-believer. Now, it doesn't simply say, be at peace. It says, pursue it. You have to seek after it. It's a command. That means there's going to be some action within your responses to things. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to say no to the anger. You're going to have to pursue peace. Thanks for joining us for this midweek edition of Equipping the Saints, featuring the Bible teaching of Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, your message today focuses on a word that some of our listeners may not be familiar with, and that's the word sanctification. You know, Dave, it's a big word that's not used much of these days, but yet it is seen throughout Scripture. And so with this in mind, how is it a person becomes sanctified? That's the question we'll consider on this edition of Equipping the Saints. Our text is Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 17. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, today's message is one you'll want to share with a friend. Just tell them to visit etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. They'll find today's broadcast, as well as a host of other archived broadcasts waiting there for them. Our web address, again, is simply etsradio.org. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. There's a humility. There's a brokenness. Lord God, I can't do this. You need to do it. And I trust you to do it. I trust you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Ultimately, we'll be delivered out of every affliction. And he's actually using everyone for good, if we remember what we saw earlier. So he says here, pursue peace with all men. Obviously, this is righteous behavior in the context of the fear of the Lord and trials. Now, there's no genuine true peace within relationships apart from righteousness, because sin brings about conflict and a lack of peace. Without God's righteousness, there is no true peace. You see, we didn't have peace with God until we trusted in Jesus. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. There is peace in our relationship because of Jesus. But also, we see in the midst of this, we should have right behavior before men. Seek peace and pursue it because God is looking out. His eyes are toward the righteous. His face is against evildoers. There's so much conflict out there, isn't there? We are to be seeking peace, brothers and sisters. You see the conflict all over the place. You see assuming, presuming, gossiping, not forgiving. There's all kinds of conflict based on sin. We're to pursue peace. Turn to Proverbs. I want to share a few Proverbs about conflict and then how to avoid it. You see, you can't pursue peace if you're in sin. If you're gossiping, assuming, presuming, not forgiving... You can't pursue peace. You're actually pursuing the opposite by default. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. Notice what happens with sin and how strife builds from this. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse man, what? Spreads strife. Someone was telling me last week, it's like spreading jam on a piece of bread. It just spreads all over. Perverse man spreads strife. And a slanderer separates intimate friends. There's no peace there. Look in chapter 17, verse 19. He who loves transgression loves strife. Wow, can you think about someone who loves transgression? Yikes. He who raises his door seeks destruction. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 3. Keeping away from strife is an honor for any man. Keeping away from it. 
but any fool will quarrel. Pursue peace, right? Proverbs 22.10 Drive out the scoffer and contention will go out. Even strife and dishonor will cease. 26.21 Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. It's the opposite of peace, folks. Chapter 30, verse 33. The end of Proverbs. For the churning of milk produces butter, and the pressing of the nose brings forth blood, so the churning of anger produces what? Strife. You see, sin is what brings about the lack of peace. If you are angry about your circumstances, angry about those who hurt you, angry about what happened, there's going to be strife in your life. You're not going to be pursuing peace. Back up a little bit in Proverbs now again. we we'll see what we should be doing. Look at chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. If you want to pursue peace, you're going to have to love one another, right? You're going to have to see them as more important than yourself. You're going to have to see them as more important. Look at chapter 13, verse 10. Don't forget this verse. Through presumption comes nothing but strife. When you make a presumption about someone's motives, whatever it might be, a situation, that's called pride and it's arrogance. The result is nothing but strife. You have to let things go in God's hands and trust Him. So presumption comes nothing but strife. By the way, if you're presuming things, there's going to be no peace pursued. I'll tell you that right now. Just strife is going to come. But with those who receive counsel is wisdom. Look at Proverbs 15:18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife. Again, you've got a temper, strife's coming. But the slow to anger pacifies contention. And the only way to be slow to anger is to be trusting Jesus, to be renewing your mind about the circumstances, to be praying and asking him to help you, to deliver you from that temptation, to let his word change your heart towards those circumstances. Last one in Proverbs, Proverbs seventeen fourteen. You want to pursue peace? Obey God's word. The beginning of strife is like the letting out of water. You think of those old movies where the dam starts to break and a little water starts going out and then the whole thing goes, right? The beginning of strife is like the letting out of water. You're not going to get it back, right? So what does he say here? So abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. Abandon the quarrel. Pursue peace. You see, folks, quarrels, conflict, strife, They're the opposite of peace, and they are a deed of the flesh. They're a deed of when we are not relying on God. They're a deed when we're functioning through our own wisdom and abilities. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, it doesn't sound like peace, does it? Take care lest you be consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh... For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, and sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, look at this, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, all this kind of stuff, right? Envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you, 
that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Enmities, strife, disputes, dissensions, factions. Yet when you yield to the Lord and to His will as revealed in His Word, allowing His Spirit to control, there's a change. Look a little farther down, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. What's the third one? Peace, right? Peace, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If you have life by the Spirit of God, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, walk by that same Spirit. Allow Him to change your thinking, actions, and attitudes towards one another. Pursue peace with all men. Well, how do we do that? Practically speaking, we must be abiding in Christ, allowing His Word by His Spirit to change our heart attitudes towards Him and towards our circumstances and towards others. Pursue peace with all men. We are to be pursuing the right relationship with all men, believer and non-believer, with all men. Now, it doesn't simply say, be at peace. It says, pursue it. You have to seek after it. It's a command. That means there's going to be some action within your responses to things. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to say no to the anger. You're going to have to pursue peace. Sometimes we say, how do we do this? Because peace involves two parties. What do we do? Look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Just because there isn't peace doesn't mean you haven't pursued it. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If possible, so as far as it depends on you, what? Be at peace with all men. As far as it depends on you, your side of the equation be at peace at all men. Now, there might not be that peace on the other side of the equation. But as far as it concerns you, look at Romans 14, verse 19. We are to be pursuing the opposite of conflict and difficulty, right? Peace. Peace in relationships. Romans 14, 19. So then let us pursue the things which make for peace, right? Pursue those things. And the building up of one another. That's what we should be pursuing. Back in our passage, we should be continually pursuing peace. What about people who are abusive? What about false teachers? What about the factious? How do we pursue peace with them? Seeking peace, righteous behavior, and relationships doesn't mean sinning or compromising or contradicting other passages of God's Word. The way to pursue peace is to obey His Word in relationship to other people. That's the way to pursue peace, to obey His Word You see, seeking peace doesn't mean compromise. Let me give you an example. How do we pursue peace with the factious man based on Titus chapter 3? We turn away from them, right? We obey God's word. How do we pursue peace with someone who is coming in and causing dissensions and factions? Romans chapter 16. We're to turn away from them, right? That's how we pursue peace. We pursue peace by not entering into the relationship in the way that God would not want us to. We follow His Word in relationship to those things. We pursue peace with those in sin by addressing sin. Galatians chapter 6. Maybe Matthew chapter 18. We pursue peace by obeying God's Word, but we don't compromise. You see, love covers a multitude of sins. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers a multitude of sins. Through presumption comes much strife, right? 
A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger pacifies contention. The beginning of strife is like the letting out of water, so abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. If you are married, I know we have lots of opportunities to pursue peace, don't we? And the closer we get to people, we realize we are sinful, right? Pursue peace with all men. That's everybody. Pursue it. When you are tempted to react in anger or whatever it might be concerning the circumstances or what someone has done or said, yield to God's word. Allow it to change your mind towards the circumstances. Trust the Lord and respond back the way the Lord would have you respond towards those people. Pursue peace with all men. Let me ask you, are you doing that? Are you allowing God's word to change your thinking towards your circumstances and the people around you which you might have conflict with? It doesn't mean compromise. We pursue peace in the context of obedience to the word of God. What else should we be pursuing? Look back in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Pursue peace with all men and then notice... The term, and the sanctification, without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace with all men and, and that's continually, habitually. Secondly, continually pursue the sanctification. Well, what is he talking about here? I want to pursue the sanctification. What does he mean by that? Well, we're commanded to do it, so we need to understand it, right? Well, the term translated sanctification here comes from the Greek word hagiosmos, which speaks of literally being set apart. It speaks of being made holy or set apart. And indeed, some translations, you might even have the term instead of sanctification, holiness there. The word speaks of sanctification, being set apart from sin unto God, to be making more like Christ. Sanctification is the process in which God takes his word by his spirit and works in our hearts and changes us. He sets us apart. Now there are two realities of sanctification in scripture. There is the initial sanctification, then our ongoing sanctification. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We see this initial sanctification. So even though it's the same word, there are two different realities. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I love this. This is a great passage to share with those who are clearly bound in sin who are clearly caught up in that God is a good God who forgives great wickedness. He forgives all sin if you're willing. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. People who are in their sin and identified by it aren't going to be saved. But, notice this, this is wonderful. And such some of you were. You were this. You were. But notice what he says. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Spirit of God. You see, when you trust in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven all of our sins. We are no longer seen by the sins that we were caught up in. We are seen through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. But that's the initial sanctification. We are set apart from being a sinner unto God in salvation, right? But there's another sanctification that we see throughout the Word of God. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to see that sanctification speaks of being set apart 
from sin, and it's His will. It's His will for us. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. Concerning sexual immorality, the Apostle Paul tells the Thessalonians, this is God's will. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God. This is God's will, His desire for you. Your what? Sanctification. That is, you abstain from sexual immorality. The sanctification here is in regards to sexual immorality. To be set free from it, to be set apart from it, to be holy. And remember that sanctification is brought forth by the Word of God. It's God through His Word, His powerful Word, that changes us. Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, Sanctify them in Thy Word. Thy Word is truth. Ephesians chapter 5, we have an illustration. Turn to an illustration in the context of marriage and then in the context of the church. Christ being the husband, the church being the bride. We have an illustration of sanctification. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might what? Sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle in any such thing, so that she should be holy and blameless. 1 Peter chapter 2, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Turn to one last passage, 2 Thessalonians 2.13. 2 Thessalonians 2.13. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. God takes us through His Word, and when we trust Him, we believe Him, we rely on Him, we trust in Him, it's in the context of faith, and He changes us. So how can we pursue something that God does? How do we pursue something that He does? Pursue Him through the Word. He uses His Word. Make Him your focus. Trust in Him. Obey Him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Understand what He's doing in the context of your difficulties. Allow His Word to direct your heart. Set your heart completely on that. He says, pursue the sanctification. Let me ask you this, brothers and sisters. Are you pursuing the sanctification? Are you chasing after it like a dog would chase after a cat? Are you pursuing the sanctification? Are you pursuing that? Desiring to be more like Christ, allowing His Word to change your thinking towards every circumstance in your life. But we're commanded to do it. The Apostle Paul set his heart on that. He said, Brethren, I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Are you pursuing the sanctification? Are you pursuing that? And by the way, we need to do this with those of like mind. 2 Timothy 2.22 Now flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call upon the name of the Lord from a pure heart. Do you pursue sanctification? Well, notice we see that there's a little statement at the end, but turn back to chapter 12, verse 14. A little qualification here, which is a difficult one. Without which no one will see the Lord. Very interesting statement. What's he saying here? 
that we will not see the Lord, i.e. we will not be with him forever if we don't pursue sanctification? Is that what he's saying? That seems like it's dependent on us pursuing rather than by his grace we're saved, right? What's he saying here? Now, if he said that this way, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which you will not see the Lord, that would be a difficult portion to interpret. But notice he says here, without which no one will see the Lord. Now, I'm not sure of what he means here, but my thought in light of what he shared earlier about the wheel tracks and not that someone will be healed rather than stumbled, my thought is that what he's saying here is without the testimony of Christ in our lives through peaceful, loving the brethren and Christ-empowered, holy living, that no one's going to see the Lord. They're not going to see the Lord in your life. You know, if you're not pursuing peace, right relationships with men by the power of the Spirit, if you're not pursuing being more like Christ, no one's going to see Christ in you. That's quite possible. Look at Matthew chapter 5. You know, the Lord manifests his character through his people. And they can be stumbled. Look at Matthew chapter 5. And this is in the context of difficulties, persecution, right? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You believers, that's what Jesus is saying, are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification with which no one's going to see the Lord. Apart from that. Now, obviously, we need to be set apart initially, but the context here is that ongoing sanctification. Do you pursue sanctification? Do you pursue it? Is your life a testimony of Christ or of the flesh? What's your life testify to? Does it testify of Christ? Does it testify of you? Do you see why it's important to get back on track? It's important. We are witnesses for Christ either negatively through sinful compromise or positively through faithful, trusting obedience. Now as we come to the end of our text, notice we have some warnings some threats to practical holiness, threats to pursuing sanctification, threats to pursuing peace, threats to that, threats to that, that we need to see to it that we don't allow these things to happen or be in our midst or our practical sanctification is at risk. You see, pursuing Christ-likeness can be at risk if these things are allowed to be around you. Look at what he says. See to it, verse 15, back in chapter 12, that no one comes short of the grace of God that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and many be defiled, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it with tears. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Equipping the Saints, and our teacher is Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. Today's message from the book of Hebrews is available to hear again online at etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. When you visit our website, you'll not only find today's broadcast, but a host of additional audio resources waiting there for you. As a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all of our audio resources are available at no cost to you. 
This is made possible because of the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, in the moments that we have left, would you take just a moment and remind us of the big points from today's message? Well, simply put, Dave, we need to pursue peace and the sanctification that God brings about through his discipline in every circumstance in our lives in the context of his word working in our hearts. And we also need to be aware as we begin to see that there are threats to that sanctification. There are those in the body of Christ who are threats, those who are like Esau. Well, with this in mind, we're going to see a little more about Esau on our next broadcast, and that will help us understand what these threats to our sanctification look like. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the Word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you're receiving spiritual benefit from equipping the saints, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift today? Every gift makes a difference, no gift is too small, and every dollar is put right back into the ministry. To send a gift to Equipping the Saints, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to donate online, our web address is etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints.